This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Hi, everybody. Welcome into the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Greetings from Phoenix, Arizona today and Studio B in New Orleans. I'm Sean Kelly. I'm glad to be with you. Uh, Phoenix being where the Pelicans are right now as they get set to take on the Suns tonight in the second game of a back-to-back. And, of course, we've got guests rolling into Studio B at Airline Drive uh, at the headquarters today. And that includes, of course, the Saints guests, which I'll share with you in just a moment. But we begin a new week of Black and Blue Report. It's All-Star Week in New Orleans. That means we'll be sprinkling in plenty of All-Star stuff heading to the big events this weekend at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome and, of course, at the Smoothie King Center. Heck, there's going to be events all around the city starting as early as Thursday. The events at the two uh, venues, the big venues, start on Friday and carry us all the way through the weekend. It's a chance for us to, to really shine as a city and to take pride in, uh, in what we're able to do. You know what we do. We do big events, and uh, it's going to be fantastic. I'm very much looking forward to it. The Pelicans will be back home after their game on Wednesday at Memphis, and so everybody will be in town to, um, to celebrate NBA All-Star 2017. Don't forget, you can go to NBATickets.com and uh, be a part of all the fun because uh, there's, gosh, there's probably mm, almost a dozen uh, events surrounding the basketball alone that you can take part in. And so we'll talk about that as we go along throughout the week. Pelicans, unfortunately, lost last night to the Kings, 105-99. And it was a game that was going pretty well there for a while. New Orleans got themselves up by 13 in the first half. And then things uh, Things pivoted the wrong way, and with about 2.55 left in the first half, that's when Buddy Heald uh, was uh, whistled uh, for a flagrant two foul and then was uh, subsequently ejected from the game. And then from there, the Kings went on to win the second quarter by three, won the third quarter by six, and the fourth quarter by three. And so they improve to uh, 23-32, and 32, while the Pelicans now drop a game on this road trip and fall to 21 and 34 it stings a lot uh, especially again when you think about the way the game started last night and ended up and you had a chance to win your first two games on this road trip but uh, it went south and uh, Buddy Heald uh, if you've I'm sure you've seen it because it's all over social media and everywhere else uh, didn't make the best decision last night in uh, making illegal contact with DeMarcus Cousins um, and popped him where he shouldn't and uh, obviously then was ejected I, I will say this I'm I am uh, I would say I'm not happy with what Buddy Hill decided to do during the game, but uh, he did talk about it after the game, and that takes a that takes an effort, I'm sure. And so we want to share that with you as well, because I want Buddy to have his say here too, because everybody else is having their say, and obviously it'll be a big storyline uh, in tonight's game here in Phoenix. So uh, let's start with that, and uh, this is Buddy Hill last night in the post-game locker room with Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com. We've seen you come around screens a ton where you like grab the hip, pull on the guy's hip or whatever. What, what happened on that play from uh, just, your perspective? Just one of those plays where you hand up in the wrong place and after that, nothing was intentional and after that, you know, uh, Marcus stole it and after that, the ref look over and view it and then when you do slow motion, it looks worse than what it is. But uh, I'm pretty sure it was it was intentional. Knowing the Marcus personality, he would come at me and. Uh, made a big fuss about it, you know, uh, sure. so so I know it was not intentional, but, you know, it was when, 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 when you put cameras in slow motion, uh, 
you get a different reaction out of it. And uh, like I say, it was, it was intentional. Demarcus, you know, his personality, you know, the effort he has in the league, you know, he's it was if it was that bad, he would come at me. Sure. Judging by your reaction, um, would you say you were just shocked to, to see that they were? considering ejecting you or considering calling a flagrant foul? Yeah, I just, like, you know, I've never been in a position before. i never had a technical in the game. I've never, the like, only technical I had, I can remember, was defensive Steve Jackson's and that's in the NBA. But other than that, no, I'm just a shock. You know, i never been in a situation before where I was ejected, and I just, doesn't feel good for me. I just, uh, this is like a bad feeling, especially, I, I just mad, like, the refs took away a half that I, a basketball that I missed, and a half, a half that I could help my teammates and compete and try to get a win. Did they give you any explanation of what what the call was, or 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 why, or did they just say you're flagrant two, you're out of the game? They just, they just gave me flagrant two enough for that. Everybody was shocked because everybody know me and they know my personality, know my character. They know I'm not that type of person that guard somebody, and uh, you know it was just one of those calls and one of those view in the um, uh, slow motion plays when you. When you when you view it in slow motion, just, you get a different reaction out of it. And I, I understand the reference coming from, and I saw it. It looked bad in, in slow motion, but I know my attention wasn't wasn't exact. What it looked like. There were several people from Oklahoma who didn't see the play, but just heard that you were ejected. That were saying like, "That's not Buddy. That's not something that he does." I yeah. mean, do you feel like that's kind of what you want to get, get out? Is that just that was not anything that you know is characteristic of anything that you've ever done before? Yeah, for sure. Like everybody knows me. Everybody knows who be around me, and then whoever, whoever is spending time with me, like even if it's a quick minute, a quick two, they, you can tell my personality and character and kind of kid I am. And uh, even you can ask, you ask Marcus, you know, it was intentional. You know, I was. I always come at him. He always seems cool in the game. He never come at me no different way, and I respect him as a player. But uh, nothing was intentional. Everybody knows that, and I know he surely knows that. Like I said before, it was intentional. He would come at me because getting hit down that low, you know, guys, if it was intentional, somebody swinging at it, and uh, as an interview, you could see, you could tell my hands is open. It was not like a fist ball or something like that. Like I said, when guys get hit down there, they know to go with somebody else to see it. So he's, it's a play that he sell real good, and uh, you can't do it, but that's what good players do. They sell plays. Last thing for me, um, is it when I said that there's that play happens a lot where you're coming around a screen and you is that is that accurate to say like yeah. the play where you you know you, you grab you get hole. the guy around the yeah, hip just, and it, you get yeah. the momentum going yeah, around just, the corner just like of. just like you run around a run around a, a tight curve and like and there's a pole and like you swing your arm and like after that you hold the pole to get to get momentum to push off you know and uh, Darren Collins you look in the play before he Demarcus got me on a flop before. When he flopped the night, and the ref called a foul, you know, and I see him play again, he got me again. So this is a rookie mistake. Now I know, just be more aggressive and don't play with my hands and just move my feet and just fight over and keep my hands, keep keep my hands to myself. But uh, you know, it's a learning, it's a learning curve I can learn from. I know everybody have their own opinion about it when they see the video, but I don't care because uh, I know what type of player I am and I know what my attention is in the court. And I never, never want to nobody get the wrong intentions from me or a different reaction from me when they see me out or anything like that. All right, so there you have it. Those are Buddy Heald's thoughts last night after the game. Uh, Coach Gentry didn't have anything to say about the play. Uh, he was just flat out pretty much um, disgusted how the game went, and um, and hopefully we'll learn more about his thoughts tonight prior to the game against the Phoenix Suns. Our other conversation surrounding the Pelicans today, uh, we're going to talk to associate head coach Darren Ehrman today, who doesn't do a whole lot of interviews but was kind enough to sit down and talk to us about the Pelicans' defense, as that is his primary responsibility with the basketball team. So I, I learned a lot. I hope you will, too. And the conversation we'll have a little bit later with Darren Ehrman. And then on the New Orleans Saints side, as we mentioned, we have a special guest today. The fullback John Kuhn will join us. 
Now, of course, uh, I taped this interview a little while ago, and I uh, screwed up John's number of touchdowns. So I apologize to John Kuhn, but I had to bring up touchdowns because I wanted to talk Lambo Leap with him. And the former Packer has firsthand experience of that, uh, and now he has brought uh, his style of play to New Orleans. It was a, such a durable piece of this past fall's football team and has re-upped with the New Orleans Saints and will be back again. And his family is also enjoying their time in New Orleans here so far in this offseason as well. So we've got a good show for you today. Darren Ehrman, uh, associate head coach of the Pelicans, and here in just a moment after our first break, John Kuhn, fullback for the New Orleans Saints. Stay with us. It's time to win the night with family and friends with your New Orleans Pelicans. New season ticket holders coming on board for the 2017-18 season will get their next three games on us, including free beer and pre-game warm-up access with the team. This offer is only good through March 3rd, so call 504-525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today and win the night. Are you ready for a new challenge? Set your goal and go for it with the Smoothie King Change a Meal Challenge. Just change one meal a day with over 20 delicious meal replacement smoothies, all under 400 calories per 20-ounce cup, and sip your way to your goal weight. With flavors like pineapple mango, strawberry blueberry, dark chocolate banana, and more, it's easier than ever to reach for your goal. Take the Change a Meal Challenge, only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Take the challenge as part of a low-calorie diet and daily exercise program. Weight loss depends on individual needs. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. We have a busy Monday here for you, and it includes a little Saints talk today with John Kuhn, fullback for the New Orleans Saints, who's kind enough to join us in Studio B. John, first of all, I haven't seen you in a while. I hope you're well. Everything okay? Yeah, everything's fantastic. Uh, Just enjoying a little bit of the offseason down here, some great weather in New Orleans, and getting to know the city a little bit. Yeah, this is a little different than a Wisconsin winter, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you can kind of kick it outside a little bit. You come in the facility, get your workout done like like I'd be doing at home. But in the spare time, you get a lot more activities done. There's no snow to shovel, is there? No, no. I mean, it, it, we had tornadoes, so I don't know which one's worse. So uh, just just enjoying the weather down here uh, and, and enjoying the people. You're getting out around the city, seeing some of the, the nice sights. Been to uh, the aquarium since the season's been over, so it's it's been fun. And you've also re-signed with the Saints. Congratulations on that. I'm thrilled. Thank you very much. We're all thrilled. And uh, it, it was something that towards the end of the season, I thought, man, this, this, this could be a place where I could play another year or two and, and really uh, enjoy myself. It was The locker room's been fantastic. I, I think the, the team's ready to, uh, to really ascend here going forward. And, and the coaching staff, I'm, I'm really thankful for this opportunity. John, I don't talk about the locker room a whole lot. Number one, because I'm not there as much as obviously someone who's there day to day, hour to hour. But it sure seemed like after you joined the football team, you jumped right in and seemed to be as comfortable as can be and almost in a leadership role as well. Did you did you feel that way through this last season? Well, I, I did feel very comfortable and it was primarily because the guys in the locker room are so welcoming. They're they're all about business. They, they want to win and, and they want guys in here that are going to work their tails off and work along uh, with them. So I just I made myself at home, you know, started started grinding just like they do. And, and they respected me for it. And I couldn't respect them anymore for for just accepting me the way that they did. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Hey, speaking of the offseason, I had a lot of people moaning and groaning about the fact that they couldn't watch any football this past weekend. We're finally into that part of the year um, <laughs> for you. What's that like at this time of year? 
Well, I mean, for me, it's a little bit refreshing because we work so hard during the season um, to not have football to watch. I don't know. It's, it, it's kind of, I'm split on it because I do enjoy watching football at the same time. I don't like watching football when we're not playing. So <laughs> that's always a tough thing to, to try and settle in your stomach when you're watching these teams go weekend, you know, further in the playoffs than what, than what you were able to, to make it. So um, I don't know. I, I watched some of the Grammys last night, started checking out and seeing where, where the award shows are at. And I guess we're in the award season now. So we'll have a little bit of that to make up our time. And, and next weekend, obviously, is the All-Star game down here. So looking forward to that, too. Are you going to go and take part in some of those NBA All-Star activities? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have anything firm yet, but but I can imagine I'll be, you know, touching base here or there. You mentioned the, the All-Star game. I'm curious, for you, John, when you're not watching football, what sports do you like to take part in? You know, I'm interested in all sports, to tell you the truth. I do enjoy watching basketball, um, baseball, mostly in the fall. I mean, that season's so long. I, I'll enjoy it towards the end of the year when, when there's some races going on, pennant races and stuff. Um, I enjoy watching everything, soccer, hockey. Uh, college basketball is probably my favorite sport to get into once our season's over, though. Really? And, and, and you went to a smaller school, too, John. So are you following – Shippensburg, or are you, or do you, is there a bigger oh, yeah. school that you like to watch? Well, I mean, I, I, I really root for, uh, you know, I root for mostly Penn State and Wisconsin sports just because that's where I grew up and, and spent a majority of, of, uh, of my professional life also. So I really root the Badgers on and, and Penn State when, when, uh, when they're on TV and I get the chance to see them. But Shippensburg, man, they're having themselves a season this year. They're in, I think they're still in the top five. At one point in time, they were undefeated number one in the country. So rooting hard for the Red Raiders. No doubt. It's probably hard to catch some of their games, although a lot of things are online now, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I just I stay in tune with Twitter, their sports information director, catch their highlights and stuff. When, you, when it comes to playing in a small school in football, how big was that transition for you, small school to the NFL and that style of play? You know, it was big. It was, it was primarily big because I switched positions. I was more of a running back in, in college than what I am now. So I really had to, to learn the technique and, and the footwork for what it would be like to, to play fullback in the NFL. And that took me, that took me a little bit of time. It, that kind of slowed me down in, in my process, but um, I had a great teacher, Dan Crowder. He was a great fullback in, in Pittsburgh who kind of took me under his wing and showed me the ropes and kind of let me know how to do it as a, as a professional in the NFL. I, you know, I, I hear I get the guys in the locker room teasing each other. You know, the, the Florida State guys tease the Ohio State guys or this, that, and the other. And, and part of me wants to sit there and say, because like, kind of like you, I went to a smaller school, and I'm like, well, I don't, really, I don't really identify with that a whole lot. But certainly there are things about going to a smaller school, John, that they can't identify with either. What would you say that is, at least in your experience? Well, I mean, the scheduling. The scheduling was far different. I mean, we, we didn't have – our road trips, we, we took a bus – we left the day before the game. Um, usually, I mean, some there was a couple games that were close enough where we left the day of the game. So, you know, we weren't staying in team hotels. We weren't doing all, all kinds of that, you know, especially not for home games. Uh, none of us had full scholarships. I mean, we, we had to we had to make do with with only about eighty thousand dollars for the whole football team. So we had to we had to really spread that around well. So that, that took a lot of manufacturing of dollars there for for our coaches to figure that one out so just a lot of little things and you know we were very much a part of the the student body there I mean we we were students before we were athletes um, I would say in a bigger school you're probably athletes a little bit more first than than your students that's a good point I didn't think about that very good point John Coons with us here on the black and blue report
Uh, John, are you and your wife, Lindsay, going to partake in any Mardi Gras activities? Is this your first time experiencing this? Yeah, they, absolutely we're partaking. I mean, it, Mardi Gras catches a bad break throughout the rest of the country. I always thought, you know, it's it's one of those crazy party, dirty atmospheres. But as soon as they said, no, it's family friendly and and uh, go to Uptown and, and really enjoy yourself with, with, uh, with the setup and the stands and all the different families that will be out there. So we ha- we definitely had to stick around for this one. You'll at least know how to tailgate with the rest of these people. I would have ima- I would imagine, right? Oh yeah. I mean, okay. So that's probably another thing that that guys who went to bigger schools never did. They probably never tailgated before in their lives. But you know, I I actually when I was in college, we would figure out ways to go to other college teams' games and so that we could tailgate up in you know up in Happy Valley and stuff. How in the heck did you do that? Well, when 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 they would have a night game, we would play our game, and then you know as soon as our game was over, we'd pack up in the car and drive up there as quick as we could. I love it. I love it. John, you had four touchdowns this past season, which I think equals your total in Green Bay. Um, and, and during your time with the Packers, I have to ask you, what is it like to do a Lambeau leap? Surely you did one at least, right? Yeah, I got a couple leaps in. Um, I'm, I'm pretty notorious for the one failed leap that I had uh, in 2012, but uh, that was a cameraman's fault, and I'll maintain that to the day I die. Uh, but, but, yeah, I've gotten up there a few times. The fans are great. I mean – you got to hoist yourself. You got to you got to kind of uh, figure out where you're going before you ever make try and attempt to make the leap. You, they got to be welcoming and and ready for you. Some people stick their arms out as to catch you, but they're more of a roadblock and they kind of knock you down. So you got to kind of be strategic about where you're jumping. How tall is that wall? It's about as tall as me. It's 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 right around six feet tall. And you know, like I said. For guys of myself, you know, who doesn't have the amazing 45-inch vertical jump like the receivers, you got to get your steps just right. You got to get the jump, and then you kind of catch yourself with your arm and, and do a little hoist from there. I just I can't imagine throwing myself into the arms of complete strangers. I know you're in full pads, and it's the home crowd, but that'd be a little nerve-wracking to me, John. It's fun. I mean, I, I kind of compare it to uh, crowd surfing. You know, if you're a rock star, that's our one chance to really be a rock star and, and get up into the – get up into the stands, let the fans go crazy. I mean, you get beer, popcorn, hot dogs, ketchup, mustard. I mean, just about everything ends up on you, but that's okay. You get to the sideline, you get the equipment managers to clean you off. It's it's a heck of a time. Yeah, I, it's a tradition that I hope never goes away, even though there seemingly is more and more talk about the NFL, John, kind of squelching these touchdown situations. What what What's your take on what, what should happen and shouldn't happen after a score? I think if you're – if you're not being vulgar, if uh, if you're not taunting, if it's all in good fun, I think it should be allowed to to go. I mean, this is a this is a game. Um, at the same time, we're considered um, entertainment, and let us entertain. If we want to have some fun and, and do some wild antics, let let our guys express themselves, show some personality, um, as long as they're not offending anyone else. John, when do you let your mind start thinking about next year, next season? The football season? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that'll probably come up here quicker than, than really what I want it to. Um, we come back April 17th, so definitely on the 16th it'll start creeping into my mind. I mean, that's the off-season program, but when you're in the off-season program, you know it's only a you know a short jump away to the season starts. And, you know, you make a lot of strides in the off-season too. As a team, um, you talk about building chemistry. Um as a unit, you, offensively, I know we're, we're going to have some wrinkles that we're going to put in at that point in time. And we're going to try and master them and uh, get things, get the ball rolling on that. So it's a very important time. And, 
and that'll be here before we know it. You have played now in two markets where football is absolutely number one. Green Bay, New Orleans, you know, it's, it's a part of the fabric of the culture. And so, John, what happens, at least seemingly to me, is that almost no matter what time of year, people want to think about what the next season's going to be like. And in a lot of cases, heck, we don't even know what the roster's going to look like. If you could coach up, whether it be Packers fans or Saints fans or whatever, when is a safe time to start thinking about, hey, okay, I think this is what this football team has, and therefore I can start saying, you know, whether it's good or not. You know what I'm saying? When, I would call it, okay it or I would call it the second it week of October after the first quarter of the season. I know that sounds a lot later than what fans or or uh, analysts want to want to be able to say. Everybody wants to be able to predict, but you got to you got to let the first quarter of the season go by. I mean. I just talked about implementing new things, chemistry in the locker room. Those things aren't fine-tuned. Those things aren't really oiled and, and gelled until um, the first quarter of the season's over. So what does that mean about the first quarter of the season then? I mean, is it to, to one, on one side, John, it would seem like that's ultra important. And at the other, it doesn't seem like anybody should get too worked up about it. Uh, well, what's your record when you finish? If you're 4-0, it's extremely important. If you're 1-3, and three, hey, hey, relax. <laughs> so... It's uh, it's a state of mind, but definitely the teams that can come out and be hot at the beginning of the year have an advantage over the rest of the teams because they already they kind of have a lead when it comes down to figuring things out. That's fair. That's fair. I like that advice. I appreciate it very much. Your position in the NFL. What's the evolution right now of fullbacks uh, at this time and uh, moment in time? I guess in in the NFL's I guess way of doing things. Well, I think it's still an important position. It's a it's a position that's needed. Um, situationally you know short yardage goal line um certain certain times throughout the game where uh <clears throat> where you need to break out packages and without getting too football talky um i'll just say you create you create mismatches with with personnel groups and you know it, it it's still tough if you if you need a guy who's a blocking back and then you also need a guy who's a receiver so the fullback position has transitioned more from just that blocker to a versatile position. And you also have to be able to chip in on special teams. So it's still vital. It's still very important, but it's, it's changed. It's definitely changed over the last decade. What would you say was the biggest point of growth for your position group? And I'm talking about all the running backs for the Saints this past season. Hmm, I, I'm not really sure. I mean, without being here last year, I can really only judge that from the moment in time when I got here to the moment in time um, when the season ended. So with just the uh, with just the the body of work being the season, I'd say probably confidence. I'd say that room went from um, kn knowing we had talent, but but not really having the mindset of we're going to do this every single day. To by the end of the season, it was we're going to lead, we're going to make big plays. Um, our goals only increased as the season went on to the point where they were almost unrealistic to where we couldn't accomplish them in a game. But that mindset of of uh, reaching for the stars and landing on the moon was not something we were going to shy away from. Mm, that's a good point. What it's left for the offseason, John, you got big plans, whether it be in the weight room or off the field. I would imagine you've got at least one good trip planned, I hope. Yeah, um, we can't. We we took a little trip to Florida, so we I got a little fishing, a little golfing in. Um, we're back here now through Mardi Gras. Um, we got to get home. I, I haven't been home since uh, since August, so I got to get home here for a couple weeks before the off season program starts in April and and get some things squared away with the house and just in, enjoy some of the friends and family that we're missing and 
you know, that'll, that'll be enough for us. When, when you have little kids, it's all about the family. So there's definitely people that we miss that we want to get back to see. Isn't it interesting that when you have small children, all of a sudden they're the ones that everybody wants to see and you kind of take a back seat. That's what I found. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a lot more fun when people come to town. I'll say that because I don't have to wine and dine them and take them all around. They just want to sit there and play with the, play with the young ones. So it's, that, that's very good. Good stuff. Sounds like a great off season to me, John. I appreciate it. I always enjoy when we get to talk, and uh, I hope you guys have just a smooth and relaxing next several weeks before, as you mentioned, that off-season program will be here before you know it. Thank you. I appreciate it. John Kuhn, fullback, New Orleans Saints, with us here on the Black and Blue Report. We'll continue here from Phoenix and New Orleans in just a moment. Hey, New Orleans. The world's biggest party just got even bigger because NBA All-Star 2017 is coming to the Big Easy. You know about the big game on Sunday, but there's a whole weekend of fun. Starting Friday night, come check out the BBVA Compass Rising Stars Challenge and the Celebrity Game. Then the D-League All-Star Game on Saturday. Even watch the best athletes in the world get ready at All-Star Practice. Tickets start at just $10. Don't miss out. Visit NBATickets.com now. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local Winn-Dixie and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup. The hearty way to fuel your game. And the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. This is Pelicans guard Drew Holiday, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Associate head coach Darren Ehrman is our guest. He's also, I guess, let's just say the defensive coordinator, if we can use a football term for the Pelicans basketball team. Is that a fair title, defensive coordinator? Uh, I mean, it's fair, but I like to be called a basketball coach, so I don't want to be pigeonholing any one thing. I just try to coach basketball, but here I specialize on defense, so yes, yeah, it's, it's accurate. Yeah. You should also have an, a win this year as an overall head coach as you had to kind of step in and win a game as the acting head coach earlier this year. Um, do, do, is there any rule or protocol that says whether or not you should get that win, or does that go on Alvin's record? And did, he, did you or he tease each other about it? Uh, not at all. We didn't tease at all. It's just more of a Pelican win, so we'll take him. We're trying to get as many as possible, get into that eighth spot. So we'll just take it for a Pelican win. Very good. I wanted to talk defense with you because it's, it's been markedly better here this season. Darren, if you could put your finger on maybe what's different about the way this team is playing defense now this season as opposed to a year ago, what would you say? I think a lot of it, we, know, we got personnel who are hard-playing guys like Dante's uh, starting and Solomon's been starting and Anthony and Drew. Drew's been tremendous on the ball. It wasn't a knock on the guys last year at all. It's just like last year. We have training camp. We had a couple of good defensive games early in the preseason, and then Tyreek gets hurt. And then we had to bring in Ish and Nate, and no disrespect to them, they just didn't have a training camp to go through it. That the defense of like what we wanted, the philosophy and stuff. So they're playing against Golden State first game of the year, and Ish was signed like that day. So now all of a sudden they don't really know getting into the ball coverages as much, and we kind of got behind the eight ball there, and um, we never really recovered. We just had guys in and out, injuries, stuff like that, and kind of got deflated as a team a little bit. It makes a lot of sense. Um, when you had now this this time on task and and your team is playing better defensively, if if I were to ask you what your your pillars are, your main teaching points with regard to the way that you want them to play defense, what are those, um, and which ones do they do best? Yeah, 
Like Drew being on the ball has been great for us. Drew's had a great year. I mean, Drew's been an elite point guard, especially defensively and overall, he's been really good. Um, so on into the into the ball defensively starts with Drew. Uh, he has to direct the ball, no rejects, be into it. Then the bigs being up, stopping the ball up high because guards are so dynamic now today in the game. Uh, they're they're more dynamic and he's bigs being up. Anthony's pick and roll defense has gone to like 90 plus percentile. So he, he's been great at it, stopping that ball and the weak side pull in and multiple effort back out. Drew's had high hands. He got a couple deflections and gets Minnesota, led his steals. And then like Solomon on the weak side or Dante on the weak side are really hard playing guys. So they'll pull in and get the tag, protecting Anthony, and then they'll fire back out to their man. You mentioned high hands. I think that's something that even fourth graders hear when they start learning about defense. And yet, Darren, here they are at the highest level of this game. And you still, I hear you at practice all the time, get those hands up. Yeah, and that was a big point of emphasis uh, last game. And, I mean, Drew's been tremendous, and uh, he's been really good. Solomon's good on the ball. Those guys are – and they're interchangeable, which helps a lot. We've been switching a lot more. Like, as the game changes, you know, I feel like last year I, I went back after the season and learned things we got to get better as the game changes. Like, they used to be people on their bigs back. Mm-hmm. To, you know, the mid-range shot didn't hurt you, and it still doesn't really hurt you. That's a shot you want to give up but you want to stop the ball more because the guys are so dynamic. And then when you stop the ball higher because the big's higher up, that means the guy rolling might get behind him a little bit. You need to have high hands to protect the guys that are tagging, protecting the big who's in the coverage. That might be too technical, sorry. but No, but it actually does explain why that is so important, especially at this level. You know, the other thing that I've learned over the years is that really good defenses are loud defenses, and I guess they, that means they talk. Who's your loudest defender on this team? Uh, Solomon. Solomon's always talking. Sometimes he's talking for other guys, too, but he's always talking. He's been great. I mean, Solomon is physical, uh, versatile, and plays hard and does a lot of, I mean, great things for us. Like last game, he contested his shot to three-point line, then sprinted in and got the rebound. That's just the top of, type of multiple effort plays we need, and he's been doing a lot of them. That's, that's, that's one of those things about him that I don't think you can easily see in the box score. Coach Gentry mentions it, too. Um, is, is he the guy right now that you've got to place on your opponent's best wing player? Yeah, you know, he's one of them and Drew's one of them. So this depends kind of like on the position. But Solomon d- certainly is if it's a non-point guard. And sometimes if it's a point guard, uh, we put Solomon on, on him too. But, like, Drew and him are two best wing perimeter defenders. So this kind of uh, interchangeable, kind of seeing what matchup might be best. And that was good with with Wiggins. Drew and Solomon can switch. And we're not going to lose anything. And Wiggins hit those tough shots. But you can't. we're going to live with those shots. You can't take away everything. Is the toughest thing in the NBA to defend the pick-and-roll, just the flat-out pick-and-roll play? Is that the hardest thing to defend? Yeah, you know, the pick-and-roll but is hard. And it, two or three years ago, it, it was the hardest for sure. But now the game's developing. Guys are becoming much better, becoming much better off DHOs, dribble handoffs. And that's becoming one of the harder things to defend, especially like like Boston and teams like that will run pin-downs into a dribble handoff. So now you're off the guy's body a little bit. You're trailing him and they're getting a drill handoff, and you're behind them, and that's becoming tough. What's, what's a good counter if there is one for that? You know, um, one thing, you could switch the pin down, you could switch the dribble handoff, but, uh, you know, you can blitz the dribble handoff. There's a lot of things like um, we did it, we switched, um, oh, Caldwell Pope had it going. They ran it, right. and we, we switched the dribble handoff, and he still hit a shot with Solomon in his face, but it was just, it was a little bit cleaner, a little bit we were more into his airspace. It was a harder shot, but once he got it going, it was hard to stop him. Yeah, Darren, you strike me as a guy who's never satisfied. That's always a good thing when you're a basketball coach. 
what more would you ask of your team defensively here in the coming weeks? What should be better as we keep moving, you know, further down the road in the season? The communication, I feel like we're getting better at it. You know, they're now getting, they're playing together more consistently now. Got lineups, we're getting healthier. We've been pretty healthy, at, except for the last couple of games. We missed some guys, but before that, and also just consistently playing with multiple effort. And that's like a thing that you got to get used to if you're not used to it and be consistent every, like, like Coach was saying earlier, I think uh, we started, we gave up 40 points in the first quarter to Minnesota, and we gave up 41 in the second half, so we didn't start. We started a little flat. So we just got to come out ready to go for 48 minutes. Last thing is this. When fans watch a game or they listen to a game on the radio, we'll talk about a lot of things. Steals, uh, good hands, like you said, shot blocks, deflections, and all that. What's something that you guys chart that maybe we don't say on the air or a fan would have a hard time picking up that, that, you're, that you find to be important? Yeah, this uh, multiple, multiple effort plays. Look at that a lot on film and watch it as a team. Like We'll show the differences sometimes. Something happens. We don't have a multiple effort play, and we'll when we show them film, we'll we'll show we'll show them the contrast between that play and another play. And it's not about the result. They might not score on the play we didn't give our best effort or didn't get multiple effort, and they might score on the one we get, gave multiple effort. And it's not about the result. It's about doing the right thing over and over and over. Do the right thing over 48 minutes over 82 games. You usually get the result you want. Okay. All star breaks coming up. You got any big plans? Uh, nothing too exciting. <laughs> Just a break, maybe? Yeah, just a little bit of a break. But, you know, we got Houston, Dallas, OKC, right? At, you know, those are all big games for us. So you'll be busy. I know you will be. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Darren Ehrman with us back after this. Auctioner believes the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Here, our doctors and staff are changing lives day after day. Every week, I'm operating on babies who are days old with hearts smaller than walnuts. We're giving these kids a life they wouldn't otherwise have, a chance to grow up. Sometimes cancer patients come who were told they were out of options, but Auctioner has the most clinical trials in the state. It's amazing to be able to give second chances. We're always a step ahead, even with simple things like getting you in to see a doctor today versus a week from now, so what you have doesn't become something bigger. It makes a difference. Every day, Auctioner is creating a better future by looking forward and thinking differently to find life-changing solutions. That's healthcare with peace of mind. Appointments are available today. Call 866-AUCTIONER or visit auctioner.org. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, the hearty way to fuel your game, and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. The New Orleans Pelicans have the perfect way for you to win the night with your bud by scoring the Guys Night Out ticket package presented by Coors Light. Packages are available for select Pelicans home games throughout the season and include two tickets and four Coors Light beers, plus two collectible pint glasses, all for as low as $50. Win the night with the next Guys Night Out on Thursday, February 23rd against the Houston Rockets. Visit pelicans.com to plan your Guys Night Out today. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. 
All right, so tonight it's the Suns and the Pelicans uh, from downtown Phoenix. We'll have it on the radio and on the television for you. Fox Sports New Orleans and the Pelicans Radio Network begin their coverage 30 minutes prior to tip-off. Hope you'll join us for that. More talk about Buddy Heald tonight. Obviously, we'll hear from head coach Alvin Gentry prior to the ball game. And then the Pelicans will be looking to uh, win the season series against the Phoenix Suns. Tonight is the finale of the four-game set. And they'll be looking to get back on the winning side of this road trip. They would be 2-1 and one on the trip with a win tonight with one to go. That game at Memphis on Wednesday. Tomorrow, Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com stops by. He and Daniel Salerson will have a lot to talk about. Obviously, with three games uh, already played on this road trip and one more to go before the All-Star break. And then we'll talk uh, some All-Star and NBA in general as Rick Kamla from NBA TV also is on the guest list for Daniel Salerson in the Tuesday black and blue report hope you'll join us for that it'll be yours you know, usually afternoon central tomorrow no appointment radio can be found in a lot of different ways of course at uh, neworleansaints.com pelicans.com both teams mobile app itunes which is free and it downloads just like to my phone every day and uh, and then also on the tune in radio app so we'll see you tomorrow for that thanks to john coon today fullback for the new orleans saints and to darren Ehrman as well associate head coach of the new orleans pelicans We'll uh, see you next time right here on this podcast, otherwise on the radio tonight from Phoenix, Arizona. I'm Sean Kelly. Have a great rest of your Monday. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.